welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual, with your host, Lachelle Lochardet, founder of Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and Wise Heart PDX. Today, Lachelle expands on last episode's topic, directing attention, and gives strategies for applying this skill in dialogue. Welcome. Thank you for being with me here today. For this episode, I want to follow up on our last topic, learning to direct your attention. And today, talk more specifically about learning to direct your attention within relationship. Specifically, I want to name three types of dialogue and a strategy for each. The first, those more intense dialogues when reactivity and tension are present and you're not sure where to go. You're just caught in that moment of tension with another person. The second, when you're in an action, interaction, more mundane, more everyday, and you've lost your aliveness. It's feeling routine. And you're longing for more connection. And last, when you're in a dialogue where it's not so escalated, but it's not so connected either. It seems to be going in circles and you feel a bit lost about where you are with the other person and what's happening. We're going to talk about each of these three. So first, let's start with the most intense. Those dialogues in which oof, you feel that tension in your chest or not in your stomach. Maybe voices are starting to raise. Either of you are starting to say things that you don't really feel good about in the moment, but pain is directing your words. In those moments, if you can direct your attention to single question, what do I really want right now? Underneath everything that we're talking about, all the content, the argument about details and whose memory is correct. What do I really want? And what does the other person really want right now? Of course, to answer this question, it's incredibly useful that you have learned a vocabulary of universal needs. Life gets a lot easier when you can answer this question of what do you want with the universal need alive for you in that moment. So I encourage you to download that list of needs from the Wise Heart website wiseheartpdx.org and memorize that vocabulary. I can't think of a vocabulary more essential for building fulfilling relationships than the vocabulary of universal needs. 
If in the moment you ask that question, what do I want right now? Or what does this other person want right now? And you don't have a vocabulary of needs, you can go a few different directions. Some that are helpful and some that are not so helpful. Unhelpful directions are things you want the other person not to do. Not wants. What you don't want is another form of reactivity. That's your mind trapped in aversion, trapped in what you don't like. That's not the mind that finds connection. It might be a little bit of a baby step towards clarity when you can name really, really clearly what you don't want or you don't like. Sure, might be helpful in that way, mental clarity. What will be more effective and efficient is to ask yourself what you do want. And you can do it out loud. You can do it out loud with that person saying something like, as we're having this talk, as we're talking about all this, there's something I really want and there's something you really want at the bottom of it all. Can we just pause and see if we can find that? Like essentially in this moment, what do we both really want? In a moment of tension, the answer is usually pretty predictable. Something like, I want to be heard. I want empathy. I want to be understood. I want to know I matter. I want to know that you care about me. Those are the most common responses or needs that might be alive in a moment of intensity with you and another person. So you could at least memorize those needs if you're just starting on your needs vocabulary and keep those in your literal or figurative pocket for such occasions. Another strategy is to ask yourself if this conversation were going well, if we were having the ideal dialogue right now, what would be happening? What would I be hearing or saying or seeing or doing? It can be hard in a moment of reactivity to turn towards what you want. But you might find that it's incredibly regulating to do that. Asking that question in itself can help regulate your physiology and your emotions. Emotions arise because they're trying to get your attention. They want you to take care of something. And so when you take this action of asking yourself, what do I want? Or what does the other person want? Emotions tend to calm because they're serving their purpose. You're directing your attention. 
their little messengers saying, hey, something important is happening. Please pay attention to what you value, to what you need, to what's most important. If you answer the question, what do I want, or the other person is able to answer the question, and you answer with a universal need or a vision or a dream, the next place to direct your attention is to ask, and what do we want to do about that right now, in this moment? What would be helpful to at least take a baby step in the direction of offering or receiving what we want? That question can be helpful in any context. If you're at work and a supervisor is giving you feedback about something they don't enjoy about your work, and it's not very constructive feedback, it's critical feedback, telling you, you didn't do this and you didn't do that and you did this wrong, and they're escalating, a skillful way to interrupt that escalation is say, there must be something you want me to do about this. What exactly do you want me to do differently today? Most supervisors or bosses will be happy to hear that question. They have a need for efficiency, competency, and that question moves in that direction. If it's an intimate or very personal relationship, You can ask that question with tension in your voice and just own that tension. I'm starting to feel reactive and intense and tense and I just want to know what you want right now so that we can both have some relief and connection. Can we pause? Can we take a moment and check in? For the second type of dialogue, that's not so intense. It's a relationship in your life that you cherish and you value, maybe with a family member, in which you don't necessarily have tons in common with that family member, maybe a parent or a grown child or a cousin, brother-in-law, whoever it may be. And you still want to feel alive in that connection. You still want to maintain that connection, support it. Your best friend in those types of dialogues is curiosity. Curiosity specifically about the other person's experience, especially their experience in the moment. No matter what the content of a conversation, connecting with someone's experience naturally brings aliveness. If that person is talking about a topic you don't understand or know anything about, for me, let's say engineering, 
Somebody was recently telling me about something they made with a bunch of tools and there was a lot of vocabulary and I didn't understand any of it. And I just turned to them and said, it sounds like you made something that you're excited about. Would you like to show me? I went right to the experience of the moment and found a very satisfying connection and I could celebrate with this person and enjoy that moment. You can do that at any time with any topic. My mom likes to watch soap operas of which I have less than zero interest in. <laughs> and she enjoys something about it. And so I can connect with her. I can say, ah, you had the soap opera was good today. What was good about it? Was it exciting, surprising, shocking? When I go to those emotions or her live experience of it, I'm interested. I'm with her in her life. I don't find anything else more satisfying than being with someone in their present moment experience and what's alive for them in what they care about, what they feel, what they understand. Curiosity. It requires creating a space inside yourself, an open space to learn about someone in the moment and to release your opinions about the content, right? Let go of opinions. Opinions, eh, preferences, they block connection. And for our last one, Dialogues in which you seem to be going in circles. It's not necessarily escalated with reactivity, but it's not pleasant either. You would like to connect. You'd like the dialogue to go somewhere with another person. And you're a bit lost. For these dialogues, you can direct your attention towards the question, what's missing? And when you ask this question, I encourage you to have five elements, right? Like five fingers on your hand. You can look at each finger and ask yourself specifically about each finger on your hand. Your pinky finger represents the actual events, the, as we say in mindful, compassionate dialogue and in nonviolent communication, the observation, what actually happened, what a camera could record. Your ring finger, the feelings, the body sensations of that event. Your middle finger, the thoughts that arose regarding that event. And your index finger, the needs, the universal values, what was important. There was something important there. And your thumb is the action. What action does someone want to take or did take, depending on the story or the situation. When you have those five elements to refer to, you can ask the question, which of these five elements is missing? 
And if I had a little more connection or understanding or clarity about one of them, this dialogue might take shape. We might go somewhere new. We might find more connection. In dialogues that go in circles, my bias is that mostly people are circling around interpretations and opinions or judgments of a particular experience. That's one piece of information. That's just one of your fingers on your hand, right? That's the category of thoughts. Thoughts by themselves have a limit in how much they connect us. With only the interpretations or the judgments, predictions, whatever kind of thought it might be, we're not in a shared reality with a person. We don't know where those thoughts live. They live in a context, which is the event in which they arose. Someone's telling you about their experience of going for a walk with their dad at the park. No, going for a walk with their dad. I see where I'm, I'm already into the observation. They're telling you about an experience with their dad. And it goes something like this. And my dad just doesn't see me. And he was telling me what I should do. And he just has this attitude like, I can't take care of myself. Right? And it kind of goes on like this. You get a sense that the person is unsatisfied from their tone, but you're not really with them. But if they start, I went for a long walk in the park with my dad on Sunday. We were together about an hour. And in that hour, I started to share about my next job. Ah, now you're with them. You're in the park. You understand the opening of the conversation. Right? There's a certain intimacy in that. Feels good to be right there with them. You can visualize the park and walking along. The topic brings its own associations. And even if they shared a couple of quotes rather than the opinion, and my dad was just being bossy or whatever judgment they might say, domineering. Instead, they say, and my dad said, I know what you should do for your next job. Right? That puts you right there. You're hearing the dad speak. And they could tell the whole story of the park and the conversation. And maybe they kind of have an even tone of voice. So you can't guess the feeling. So you know the feelings are missing. And there's something they were wanting in that conversation, right? The needs. Are they looking for support? Or there's something they're wanting from you in the moment telling you about the experience with their dad. Empathy, a hug. What are they wanting? Brings you into it when you understand the need they want to fulfill by telling you. And then the last finger. What is the action? What request? Do they want you to do something right then, in that moment? Are they making a request of themselves? Are they wanting to brainstorm a request for their dad? These five elements of a dialogue, when you can sort them 
in a given dialogue help you find your way in with someone or even with yourself, right? When you're sharing something, you can ask yourself, hmm, seems like what I'm sharing isn't landing. Let me take a look inside and see what's missing here. And you might realize you've left something out. One of the five. Learning to direct your attention in this way, in a given dialogue, hmm, gives you a sense of groundedness, like you have a place to go, and can help give you a sense of confidence in any social situation in which you might have social anxiety or a sense of insecurity. You always have some place to go. Oh, I could ask them about their feelings or I could share my feelings. I could check in with what's most important to them. I could ask them another detail about where they were when that happened. Right? You have all these choices to find aliveness and connection. So let's take another look at the three for review. The first, what do you want? What does the other person want? In a heated moment, going right to the value or the need, or if you don't have a needs vocabulary, even just a vision of if this was going well, what would be happening? The second, curiosity, what's alive? What are you experiencing? Asking the other person questions about their experience. What does it feel like? What were you longing for? What are you noticing right now? And the last one, what's missing if you're a bit lost? What's missing that if we understood or we had a bit more connection to, we would find our way to each other? With the foundations that we talked about last time, you'll have more and more capacity to find questions like these in the midst of relationship. And your capacity to direct your attention will continue to increase. And with that, a sense of confidence and fulfillment in your relationships. I sincerely hope this has been helpful for you. Thank you so much for being with me today. Radiating love from my heart to yours. You can find free resources and information about Wise Heart's live offerings and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org. You can also connect with WiseHeart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.